Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. Lord, we worship you. God, we just worship you in this place. Lord, we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge that you're here in this place. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, God, that we don't have to, we don't have to stay the same, God. We don't have to stay in our current state of mind. We, Lord, we speak to those things that aren't as though they are. God, we thank you today. Come on, can you thank them, church? God, we thank you today that you're a good God. Come on, we thank you today that we worship a God that's alive. We're thankful today that we worship a God that cares about us no matter what we're going through, that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, that not for a minute were we forsaken, not for a minute was your back turned against us or your ear turned away from us. But you've heard our cries, and you've, you've been there, God. You, you, you know where we're at today. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak into the hearts of people, that you would change us and make us more like you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise real quick. One more time. Come on, he's good. He's good. So good. Hey, why don't you high five? five people next to you and let them know come on I've not been forsaken come on he's always been there tell them he's always been there he's always been there he's always been there just for a minute man he's always been there well hey I'm Pastor Welby the lead pastor here of Hope Rising and uh, man we are honored to get to be here with you today, and uh, man, it's the, the new location for us, and man, we're excited, feels good, and uh, if I've not had a chance to meet you maybe, you, maybe you're new here, and it's your first time, and man, I'd love to uh, meet you after service, and just put a name to a face, and so I'll be out at the Next Steps tent outside as you walked in, I'll be right there, I'd love to uh, meet you and just hang out for a minute, and so, uh, man, I just believe that God's got great stuff in store today. Uh, I am, uh, I'm super amped up, and so I've only had about three cups of coffee, so I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm below my quota, all right, so that's, that's super good, and, uh, but man, we're going to have a good time today in the Word, and, um, and then we will, I just pray you have an awesome week after. So anyways, hey, why don't you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, everybody say Mark chapter 2. Awesome. Well, hey, whether you open your Bible or turn on your Bible or whatever it may be, uh, get there, and we'll get there in just a second. Man, I want to honor our dream team uh, here at our church. Our dream team is a group of people that help uh, each weekend and week out. They help serve, and they help make it happen. Yesterday, we were here uh, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. because uh, it was a completely different setup for us, and we had a lot of our dream team here helping us set up. And uh, man, we, we are, we're so thankful for our dream team. Come on. Let's go, dream team. Man, we, uh, we're, we're so thankful uh, that we get to do this. And uh, we are a portable church. And so we, uh, we set up and tear down each and every week. And so uh, this is what we get to do. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. It's a privilege. It's an honor uh, to make, make a way for people uh, to hear about a man named Jesus. And so it's good stuff. Hey, if you're not... Uh, if, I want you to know today, actually, we start our signups for groups, and so it's going to be so good. Man, our group, listen, we're not a church with groups, we're a church of groups. This is, like, like if you don't attend our groups, you're missing it. Like, like our groups is where it is at, and so uh, our Sundays are great, but when you get into a group, it gives you a chance and the ability to kind of be around a, a smaller group of people and be able to talk life, uh, go over your, your, your peaks and your valleys, and, um, and just kind of be able to say, hey, you know, anybody ever struggle before? Anybody? All right, you can tell I'm struggling a little bit. It kind of broke my wrist. I look a little weird, but uh, I'm going to be moving my arm a lot, and I'll be hurting later, but it's all right. Uh, but, but maybe we've gone through some things in life, and I think we've all been there, uh, but when you're in that group, 
Uh, man, it sure does help because, man, you, you could share life stories and share what you're going through and people be praying for you. I don't know about you, but I need some people to pray for me, man. I need some people to, that I can know that, man, they're going to love me and they're going to be praying for me. So, man, I'd encourage you, sign up for a group today. You can do that at Next Steps Tent outside, and so we'd love for you to do that or go on our website, myhoperising.co. So, I told you to turn to Mark chapter 2. I need you to know a few things about Mark. One, Mark is one of the four Gospels of the New Testament. Everybody say four. I would, I would hold my finger up four, but I can't. I can't move my thumb. That's all I got right there, all right? So uh, Mark is one of the, the four Gospels in the New Testament. Uh, if you don't know, the Bible is, is, is divided into an Old Testament and a New Testament. And, and Mark is also referred to as one of the synoptic Gospels, meaning that there are three out of the four Gospels that, that are relatively close to the same. You have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. When you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell a lot of the same stories, but in a different uh, point of view or a different vantage point. And so, uh, so it is a synoptic Gospel. Uh, John would be the outlier who makes up the fourth gospel, but John, when he was writing his book, kind of looked at it and said, you know what, all of these, uh, all of these other guys are, are writing about Jesus' miracles, but they're not really covering the, the early life of Jesus. And so John, he goes to the beginning and really tries to capture a lot of the early days of Jesus and his ministry. And so here's, a, here's an interesting fact for you, uh, that Mark, the book of Mark was... They believe, theologians believe that, that Mark probably penned it, but that it was really or, orated by, by Peter. So Peter is basically telling Mark what to write. And so, so Mark, Mark would write, he didn't give Peter any credit. He's like, no, it's my book. I'm putting my name on it. I'm writing it. I'm, this, you know, I'm going to sign it. It's mine. It's my book. And so, um, but, but Many theologians believe that Peter was the one who was actually giving a Mark kind of the words to write down uh, as he did. And in fact, Peter was, was Mark's mentor. And so uh, I think that's a pretty good mentor in the Bible to have. And so, uh, and, and so Mark chapter 1, going into verse 2, or chapter 2 as well, we find Mark starts off with five short stories. Anybody like short stories? Like if you ever read a book, uh, I get turned off by books that, that they have, they have, Chapters that are really long. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not the, the greatest of readers. Uh, I, I, I can't hold my attention span. I, I just, I, I can't, like, if, if the chapter has 25, 30 pages, I'm out. Like, done. Sorry. Give me the audible book. Like, that's the best, like, the best you're going to get. You know, I, I like those chapters that are, are, like, five pages, six pages. Maybe, like, out of those six pages, two of them have a lot of pictures in them. Come on. How many like pictures? Come on. Anybody there? How many read, read to your kids at night? And you're like, let's read the book that has a lot of pictures, lots of words. And so, uh, but so Mark, he starts off with these five short stories of Jesus. And, and Jesus is on this ministry tour. And, he, and he's going, he's preaching, and, and, he's, and he's healing people. And so we find in chapter one, the very first story that's captured, that, that he's, Jesus is in Capernaum. Ever say Capernaum. And Jesus, he shows up and he casts out this evil spirit and the word travels fast. They're like, whoa, some dude just walked into town and he's casting out evil spirits out of people. And people are amazed at the authority that Jesus speaks with and he's instantly in high demand. I mean, instantly, like, everybody wants Jesus. Kind of like when Bluebell goes, like, two for $7. Like, everybody goes to the store, right? We don't want one for six, but we'll take two for seven. Let's go. And so, so everybody rushes to the store. It's kind of like Jesus. Like, he's in high demand. And so he's in such high demand, he actually leaves and goes to another town. He does more teachings and, and more healings. It's kind of like the city of Houston, all right? So, so, so we know the city is big, but it'd be like Jesus started in Cyprus, and, 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 and Jesus was doing some great things and doing ministry, and all of a sudden Jesus explodes in Cyprus, and poof, like he's going crazy. And so he's like, man, I got to get out of here. I, I got I to gotta go to Katy. And so he, goes, he moves to Katy. And so people, so he's, he's in Katy, and, and he's starting to do some great things over in Katy. He's so popular, the, the Bible tells us that he can't even stay in a hotel. 
Like, like if he had to stay in a hotel, he'd have to have a different name just to disguise him being there. Now, he, the Bible says that he had to go and, and rent an Airbnb out from the country, a secluded place, just so that he could schedule his own meetings and his own church services because they were getting too big. Now, I was taking a little bit of liberty there, but, you know, work with me, all right? Work with me. And so here in Mark chapter 2, we, we, we've just read basically four, talked about Jesus has done about four different miracles, and he's, he's been traveling. And it says in verse 1, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, right? He was there. He left. He was in Cyprus. He went to Katy for a few days. He didn't like, he was like, Katie's all right, but I want to get back to Cyprus. And so he goes back to Cyprus. He goes back to his home base, all right? Several days later, the news spreads quickly again that he was back home. Soon, everybody say soon. Soon the house where he was staying, this house was actually believed to be Peter's house, was staying, was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. I mean, church was packed that day. I mean, it, it was crazy. I mean, so many people were showing up for church. The building was packed. The overflow room was full. I mean, there was no more room for church that day. While he was preaching God's word, God's word to them, four men, everybody say four. four. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now how many know that's a good day? Come on, that's a good day right there in itself. But some of the teachers of religious law were, were, were sitting there and thought to themselves, what is he saying? Like, that doesn't sound like, like, like you, you sound like you're trying to be like God. This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus turns to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up. How many know you've been paralyzed? Doesn't say how long he's been paralyzed, but how many know if you've been down for a little bit? And Jesus says, get up. You're like, wow, let's go. And so he gets up, he grabs his mat, and he walks through the stunned onlookers. He walks through the crowd. I mean, he, he probably moonwalking, like, like, look at me now, baby. Like, he, he's got this thing going. He's got some mad swag. And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. My message today is entitled this. Carry your corner. Everybody say, carry your corner. Come on, say it with me. Carry your corner. Come on, one more time. Carry. There you go. You sound good. I want to talk to you about four different groups of people here in this passage of Scripture, and then we'll be done today, okay? And so I've been telling you to say four. The first one is this, is the crowd. Everybody say the crowd. I want to talk to you for a minute about the crowd. Because they couldn't even get into church because of the the crowd, right? I, I, remember, I remember growing up that there was this revival in Florida called the Brownsville Revival. Anybody, anybody growing up at church? I mean, you've been around church for, around, for a long time. In the 90s, there was this, there was this Brownsville re Revival, all right? Some music came out of, that, out of that revival, and they're like, they start singing, Well, I went to the enemy's camp, and I, I, I knew, I knew some of y'all would know. And so, so, they, I mean, it was a really cool thing, but you had, to, you had to be in the crowd to even get inside of the building. There'd be lines, you'd be lined up. I remember driving, or, or I, was, I was a teenager, so I was actually riding, but we took a long trip to Florida, right, just to stand in line to have a chance to get into the building so we could experience what Jesus was doing. We got in that day, and it was, dude, it was awesome. The presence of God was amazing. God was doing great things, and he did amazing things through that revival. I, I believe, though, I believe that just like there was a revival in the 90s, I also believe that, that there's something happening in the stirring of the hearts of people here in America. 
I believe that there's something happening that, that people are wanting God to do something that he hasn't done in quite some time. You see, there was the days of revival and, and days where the spirit was really moving and, and we kind of, as a church, as a whole, we kind of went away from that some and, and we kind of were like, man, it's a little too crazy over here, so we're going to swing way over here and we're just going to be real structured and we're going to be real planned and, and, and that's great as well, but I feel like there's a little bit of a balance. There's a little bit of a, a swinging of the pendulum, kind of kind of trying to find its balance where people are saying, I need God. I need a move of God. How many need a move of God today? I need God to do something in my life. And so, so here's this crowd of people wanting to hear Jesus, wanting to hear him speak, and they're wanting to see him perform miracles. And other people are, are there, skeptics maybe, or onlookers we could say, and they're checking out who this Jesus is. Who is this man that says he can be saved? Who is this man that is healing other people? And it's really no different than today. There's people, you're here today because you're here because of Jesus. And there's others here that are onlookers trying to check out what this Jesus thing is all about. Man, if you're an onlooker today, I want you to know you're welcome here. In fact, we created this church for you. You may not have realized it. You may, you may think you're just here by a circumstance today or happenstance. I want you to know that we believe that God's got a divine appointment for you today. I believe that God's got something that he wants to do in your life, that God's wanting to speak to you and God's wanting to, to change your heart, that if you're an onlooker, if you don't even believe in Jesus, hey, we're cool with that. You, can, you got a seat at the table here at this church because we know God will continue to speak to you and the more you get around this environment, the more God will begin to change you and more God will begin to speak to you and you'll hear his voice. So the crowd, they stood between them and Jesus. The crowd stood between them and their miracle. The need, their need was right on the other side of the crowd. Now I wonder what would have happened if the four friends got to the crowd and said, hey bro, I know you're broke, I know you're paralyzed, there's too many people here, we're gonna have to try church next Sunday. They said, we're just going to go home. They, 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 I wonder what the story would have been like. You know, they, they came so close to getting what they came for, but they didn't get it because of the crowd. Got so close to receiving their miracle, so close to receiving the blessing that they needed, but the crowd was there between them and Jesus, the person that they came for. But it was too much. I wonder if the story... Would have been like that, we'd be reading a different story. Or maybe we wouldn't even be reading the story at all. But so many times we will let things keep us from getting to Jesus. Sometimes we will let the crowd keep us from getting to Jesus. I want to encourage you, you might have come today expecting, needing, needing God to do something in your life. I want to tell you, don't leave today until you get what you came for. Don't leave today until you get what you came for. Because crowds, they stand and they observe. They stand and they observe. They cheer when you're good and they boo when you're bad. But disciples must commit themselves to action. And that brings me to my second group of people. That's the four friends. Everybody say four. The four friends. We see them take action. You see, being a part of the crowd around Jesus is, is not the same as being a disciple of Jesus. Does that make sense? Being, being in the crowd around Jesus isn't the same as being a disciple of Jesus. Let me say it like this. Don't confuse church attendance with being a disciple of Jesus. Like, as, as we get closer to Jesus, we should be taking steps that are growing in our faith. I believe that once you say yes to Jesus, Jesus becomes your Lord and your Savior. We should not be satisfied with our relationship with Jesus. We should always be pursuing him. We should always be, Jesus, what is my next step? How do I look more and more like you, Jesus? Like if you've been here for a little bit of time, like your next step may be getting in a growth track. 
Like, like get into growth track. Let us help you discover your personality and why you tick the way you tick and begin to help you discover your purpose and, and, and help you. Like, like let's, let's get on a, on a team. Let's get on a dream team and let's start making a difference together. That might be your next step. Your next step may be joining a group. As you leave today and you, and you talk to some people out of the next steps, 10, and, and you're just taking that next step. How do I get into a group? Our groups are... For the summer, there's just six weeks. It's a short window because of summer. I encourage you, make it a priority. Maybe you've been coming here for a while and, and maybe your next step is giving. Maybe you haven't tried Jesus or tested Jesus out in this. In fact, it's the only thing that Jesus says, test me in this. Give. And he goes on to say, give and it shall be given. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Maybe that is your next step. Because you see, when you take your next steps, you're making a way for someone else to get to Jesus. That's so good, I don't want you to miss it. I'm going to say it again. When you take your next steps, you are making a way for someone else to get to Jesus. I don't know about you, but that excites me. I don't know about you that excites me that as I take my next step, I'm just making a way for somebody else to get to Jesus. I may not know it in the moment. I may not see it uh, with my physical eyes, but God is doing something in the supernatural that I can't see, but he's making a way that my next steps are preparing someone else's steps to get to Jesus. Feel like I'm doing a little bit better than y'all are helping me. So if you don't know, it's okay, but we're, we're kind of like a hollaback type of church, all right? So you, I don't know what kind of church you grew up in and all that stuff, but it's okay. You're at Hope Rising today. It's okay to be like, come on, preacher. Let's go. Let's get it. Like, just let's go. Come on, help me out. All right. Don't make me get Trevin up here. Come on. Uh. We all need some friends. Man, we, we need some people that we can call, we can talk to. Because there are times in our lives that, man, man, if I just had one friend, if I just had somebody I can depend on, if I, if I had somebody I could, I could hit up and I know when I call they're going to answer and they're going to help walk through some things in my life, man, that is an amazing thing that you need and I need. I even believe this. I believe sometimes when we ask God for the answer, he sends us a friend. We cry out for help. Help! God says, I'm helping you. I'm sending you a friend. Figure out who he's already sent to you. Because they may be the answer you've been looking for. Maybe you're here crying out for help. Can I tell you, maybe, maybe he sent this church to you today to be that help. Figure out the friend that he's already sent to you. Because they may be the help that you need. So there's no room, all right? There's no room. They can't get to Jesus. Church is packed. And they said, fine, we'll go to the top of the roof and we will cut open a hole. I don't think the school would really like us to do that. So we're not going to do that today, okay? Like if we were at your house and your house was full and, and somebody started cutting open your roof, uh, you probably wouldn't appreciate that very much, would you? Uh, but for some reason, these dudes, like they had like a no-quit no spirit, and so they got onto the roof and they cut a hole. I, I, just, I just can imagine being like, they cut open the hole and Jesus just looks up and the guys are like waving at Jesus. Hi, Jesus. Hi. It's us. The four friends, they're the, they're, the, they're the type of people that would do whatever it takes to help you get to Jesus. If an opening to Jesus can't be found, we must make one. If an opening to Jesus can't be found, we must make one. We must make a way for other people. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I don't know how we're going to get you to Jesus, but we will not quit. We will not stop. We will keep on making a way until we find one. Faith will remove obstacles, fight through the crowd, even dig a hole in a roof if necessary to get you to Jesus. Thankful for the four friends today. 
Third person is the paralytic. I want to talk about the paralytic for a moment. See, Jesus, I'm sorry, not Jesus, Jews. Jews commonly believed that sin was the cause of illness. That Jews, they, they believed that if you were sick or you were paralyzed or you had an infirmity, they believed it was because of the sin in your life. And so here is a paralyzed man in a public setting. A paralyzed man who is, is in that day ceremonial unclean. He, he's not allowed to be in public. And, and, and not only is he unclean, here come his four friends bringing him into a crowd. And now the four friends are unclean for even being around him and seeing him and carrying him. And now they get to church and they make the whole church unclean. I mean, everybody that like acted like they had it all together, he came in and messed it all up. Can I tell you, you're at a church that is all messed up. Like you're messed up, I'm messed up. Let's all be messed up together, okay? Some may be more messed up than others, but it's okay. We're walking this thing out together. Walking it out together. And so, so now everybody is unclean. But they didn't care. They just knew they had a friend who was hurting and needed help getting to Jesus. Wow. They just knew they had a friend that was hurting and needed help getting to Jesus. They didn't turn their backs on their friend. They loved their friend. They didn't say, oh my gosh, you've completely failed. I can't be your friend any longer. They didn't say, I can't believe you did that. I can't even talk to you any longer. You know what they said? They said, we're going to become love. And we're going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. I believe Christians are the worst at this. You heard me right. The phrase, shoot your own, like we're really good at that. One, one amen. But we're really good at pointing our fingers. Saying, I can't believe you! in our own self-righteousness, in our own way. And we got our own junk. But the only difference is no one knows your junk. Theirs just happens to be in public. We're really good at shooting our own. We're really good at kicking you when you're down. Crucifying you. What if, what if we were more concerned with how to restore a brother or sister rather than shunning them, turning our backs on them when they need us the most? What if we were more concerned with, with helping them than how we looked? I, I, I know it may, my reputation may take a hit, but I'm not worried about my reputation, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about you and your paralyzed situation. I'm worried about you and your hurt. I'm worried about you and your moral failure. I'm worried about you. Hear me, because this is the best line of the whole message right here. What if we stopped throwing people off roofs and we lowered people through them instead? Uh, you ought to be clapping a little bit better than that. What if we stopped throwing people off roofs because of their condition and started lower them, lowering them through them instead. I don't know about you, but we're better together. I said we're better together. That's why our groups are so important. When, when you're in a group, you know what you find? You find corner carriers. You find people holding their corner. You, you, you find people, hey, I'll carry your corner. I, I got you. Like you're hurting, you're down, you're messed up, you're depressed, you're, you, you got anxiety, whatever. Like I, I'll carry your corner. Like I got it. Like I got my own. Let's go. 
And when you're in a group with people, and you're doing life with four, five, six people, seven people, man, I don't know about you, but I got enough people carrying corners of my life to help me. Because there are times when life paralyzes you and you need people. You need people. I, I almost, I almost call, called this sermon paralyzed with a purpose. Paralyzed, with, it, may, it may be even better than, than carry your corner, but, but paralyzed with a purpose. You see, see, maybe you're here and you're paralyzed and you're emotionally you're, 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 you're paralyzed, you're stiff. Things don't look like the way you thought they would look. Your marriage is harder than you thought it would be. Anybody? No, just kidding. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I want to keep you married. Maybe you took a risk and it, it turned out bad. Maybe you've been talked about and words spoken about you. And that now caused doubt in your life. Maybe something was done or, or said to you by a family member as a kid and it now it still paralyzes you today as an adult. Fear, doubt, and insecurity has gripped you. But I want you to know that you maybe are paralyzed with a purpose. You may feel like quitting but I want you to know friends don't let friends quit. Friends don't let friends quit. Maybe you want to quit on your marriage. Maybe you want to quit on life. Maybe you want to quit. You're just ready to throw in the towel, but I'm here to tell you that friends don't let friends quit. That, that's why you need somebody to carry your corner. You need somebody because you are paralyzed maybe with a purpose. If you feel stuck, it's okay. We've all been there. I love what the Bible says. It says, when Jesus said, get up, take up your mat, and walk, it says that the crowd was amazed that they'd never seen anything like this before. I, I believe sometimes, I believe sometimes that, that God keeps us in a state of being still because it's the only way that he can speak to us, change us, and do something great in us. Maybe you feel stuck and maybe you feel still. Maybe you feel paralyzed, but maybe it's a place where God has you right now because he's doing something inside you that he can't do if you're moving. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody today. We live in Houston, man, it's busy. You're moving, 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 moving. We're always on the go. And I just wonder if God's got to kind of got you in a place right now that says, hey, I just need you to be still. There's something that I'm trying to do on the inside of you that I can't do on the inside of you if you are doing what you want to be doing right now. I want to talk to you about Jesus. I told you that Mark was a synoptic gospel with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and uh, Luke tells the same story, but I love what Luke says. He starts off the story and he says this, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. I was like, dude, that's an amazing way to start this story out. The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And I thought to myself as I read that, well, of course it was. Well, of course the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. But I think that Luke was wanting to remind us that the power of the Lord is with Jesus. And whatever ailment we have, whatever paralyzing state that we have, it can be brought to him. It can be brought to him. He's got the power to save, and he's got the power to heal. So the scribes, right? Don't forget about them. The religious leaders, some of the people in the crowd, the onlookers, they're looking at Jesus, right? And, and, and they're like, why did Jesus just tell them or tell that man, your sins are forgiven? Who, who does he think he is? This a God? Only God has the right to forgive people of their sins. Like it would have been great if Jesus led with, hey, you're healed, but he didn't. 
They would have been okay with that. They would have been okay with, with Jesus saying, hey, you're healed, bro. Like, I know you've been down and out, but let's go. Let's get up. Give him an attaboy. Let's roll, you know. But no, he said, hey, your sins are forgiven. And it grabbed the attention of the onlookers, the scribes, the religious leaders. It threw them off their game. Who is this man? So back to verse 10 says, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. You think I'm, I'm, I'm just fronting, you just think I'm saying some cute phrase? No, 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 no. Hey, bruh, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. I don't know about you, but that's a good day. And maybe that's a word for some of you here. Pick up your mat, stand up, and go home. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And you know what I thought? This man would have never got to Jesus if it wasn't for his four friends. I feel like just dropping the mic, but I won't because it's expensive. <laughs> he would have never got to Jesus if it wasn't for his four friends. He needed somebody to carry the corner of his life. Say, I got you when you're down. I got you when you're hurting. I got you when you're confused. I got you when you're depressed. I got you when, when your marriage isn't going good. I got you when the money's not in the bank. I got you. I got you. He needed some people in his life that said, I got you. He needed somebody at Hope Rising to wear an I got you fam shirt. Like, like I got you. But he never would have got to Jesus if it wasn't for his friends. And how many people are in our lives that are waiting for you to bring them to Jesus? Because Jesus is in the house and the power is with him to save and to heal. There's a world around us that is hurting and that need to hear about a man named Jesus. And that when they encounter a crowd, that they won't stop. They say, no, 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 no. I know there's some obstacles that are going to stand in your way to get you to where you're wanting or getting to where you're needed. Jesus is right on the other side. We're not going to stop. We're not going to go home. No, we're going to keep on pressing forward. We're going to keep on, pardon me, excuse me. Hey, I know we got, we got a little bit here. We got five people trying to get through. Like, excuse me. Like, I got to get to Jesus. Like, my friend is paralyzed. I know you don't like him. I know you think he's unclean. I know you think he's unfit. I know you think he smells a little little funny I know his haircut is a little bit different I know he doesn't make as much money as you do but, but excuse me I gotta I gotta get through to Jesus and and oh man it's so full I'm gonna make a way for this friend to get to Jesus I'm gonna figure it out I'm gonna cut a hole in the roof because it's not by mind or by power but it's by his spirit friends of the paralytic did for him that day what Jesus did for us on the cross. He made a way. And that's good news. They did for him that day what he couldn't do for himself. Come on. It doesn't matter how good you've been. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you are doing. You can't be good enough. You can't be bad enough. What Jesus did on the cross for you and for me made a way that we don't have to do what was required by the old law in the Old Testament, but once and for all, the shedding of blood of Jesus Christ on the cross for you and for me. Say, hey, you can be forgiven. You don't have to live the same way any longer. You don't have to hurt the same way any longer. You don't have to be depressed any longer. Your marriage can be better. Jesus made a way. I'm going to conclude with this story. I'm reading this book right now called Everybody Always. You need to read this book. As soon as church is over, because I don't want you to do it right now, I'm going to tell a story. You're going to miss it. But you need to go on your phone, 
Go on Amazon. I don't care what you got to do. You need to read this book by Bob Goff. Everybody always. Amazing book. But he talks about one of the chapters. He talks about how his son was, he loved to skydive. And for, for so many years, he would, he would go, and he wouldn't skydive, but he would just watch his son skydive. And he would see his son jump out of the plane and, and, and just, just kind of frantically wait and make sure the, the, the chute opened right and, and just watch his son just sky, just, just jump after jump. He would go and just fascinated with watching his son jump out of a perfectly good airplane and parachute out and skydive. And... Uh, so this one time he thought, you know what, it'd be a really great treat. And so in the background, his son doesn't know it. He's, he's actually um, preparing and trying to learn how to skydive himself. And so it's a normal weekend, right? It's a normal Saturday. And he goes and he takes his son. They're going together. And the son thinks his dad's just going to watch. And, and as they get there, dad starts putting on the suit. And the son's like, what are you doing, dad? Like, let's not get crazy. And he tells his son, oh, I've been preparing for this. I've, I've been actually wanting to surprise you. I'm going to jump with you today for the first time. He'd done some tandem jumps. He'd done all the necessary stuff. But, but he said this. He said, he said, you know, the, the funny thing was is when they were giving instructions, they weren't really telling you near as much about, hey, when you pull the chute and these things work. They actually told you what happened. They spent more time on what happens if the chute doesn't open, if bad things happen. What do you do when bad things happen? And so he said, you know, they said you jump out and you pull your, you pull your chute and if the, if the chute goes, the wires are crossed and it, it gets haywire, they said you got to cut the, you got to cut the parachute. Cut it. <laughs> like, hey, I'm in the air, I'm falling, I don't want to cut the parachute. They said, no, you have to because you won't land right. I said, so you cut it, and then you pull the back up. And then they said, and if that doesn't work, well, in about 45 seconds, you're going to make your mark on earth. <laughs> and it's this next part that struck me. He said what they told him was, was it wasn't the initial hit on the ground that kills people. You would think, you know, you're falling from, what, 13,000 feet or something like that, uh, whatever it is, maybe 7,000, I don't even know what it is, but it's up there, it's high. Uh, you're, you're skydiving, and you fall, you would think the immediate hit on the ground is what would kill you. But what the instructors told them, is, is it wasn't the initial hit, it was when you actually, you hit the ground, you're, you're, you're coming at such a force that you actually bounce, and it's the second hit that kills you, because the broken bones, the bones break the first time. And then on the second hit, they pierce all of your organs. And that's what kills you. And this was my thought. Let's be a church that catches people on the bounce. Let's be a church that catches people on the bounce. Because we're going to fall. There's going to be some failure in life. There's going to be things that we're not proud of. But it's not the initial impact that kills people. It's when they don't have somebody there to catch them on the bounce. I was like, man, let's be that kind of church. We're going to catch you on the bounce. We're going to carry your corner. We're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Why? Because Jesus is on our side. Why? Because Jesus is, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. He cares about me. He cares about you. Come on, let's be a church. It catches people on the bounce because it's on the bounce and we can lay them down softly. And although your bones may be broken, although you may feel lost, you may feel hurt, we can lay it down to make sure that you are going to be okay. You could sing this. Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this bounce. 
The Lord is in this bounce. Come, Holy Spirit. Dry bones, broken bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Not for a minute was I. But I felt like they turned my back on me. I wasn't forsaken. I wasn't, wasn't forsaken, Patrick. Come, Holy Spirit. Awaken my dry bones. Come on, some of you who are in a paralyzed state, and today you just need to stand up in this place and just begin to worship Him and all the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, to do something in you that you can't do for yourself. Because not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. My Lord is in this place. Come on, He's touching you. Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place, yes. Come, Holy Spirit. Dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. Come on, stand up. Come on, let's sing that with me this morning. Come on. Come on, let's just ask God to move. Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. Come on, sing it. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Dry bones. Come on, He wants to do something in you. Come on, He's wanting to do something inside of you. Come on, allow His presence to pour over you. Not for a minute. Come on. Come on, He hadn't forgotten about you. Come on, He just maybe has you still for a purpose. Come on, there's purpose inside of you. Come on, He's got something planned for you that's great. He's wanting to do it. Come on, let's pursue Him for a moment. Come on, pursue Him for a moment. Yes, he is. Amen. Come on. Oh, Holy Spirit, rain down in this place. Rain down. Yes. Holy Spirit. Yes, he is. Yes, he is for a minute. Come, Holy Spirit, awaken. forgotten about you the Lord yes Holy Spirit oh Lord I pray for your people today yeah come on give the Lord an ovation of praise it's alright come on 
Come on, let's praise him for what he's done. Let's praise him for what he's doing. Come on, we ain't got to stop. Come on. Come on, Lord, we worship you. God, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you that you're doing something in us that maybe we don't see, but you've placed some people around us, God. You've placed a, a church in Cypress, Texas that'll carry the corner, God, that'll catch them on the bounce, Lord. Lord, I pray that you do something. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for your people today. Or those that are hurting, those that are paralyzed by circumstances and situations. And God, we speak to those, that brokenness. We speak to the hurt and the pain. We speak to the dry bones, God. We speak to insecurity and depression and doubt in Jesus' name. Lord, and just like you spoke to the paralytic, we speak to people today and say, stand up, pick up your mat, and let's go home, baby. It's going to be all right. You're going to make it. You got some people around you. You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. And maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the best decision you could ever make in your life. In fact, this is what we do. This is why we do it. This is why we set up. This is why we tear down because we believe that we've got the best message there is in this world. It's about a man named Jesus who came to earth to live, to live a perfect life, who lived a sinless life, who was the son of God, and he would come and live in a place called earth when he was in a perfect place called heaven. But he would come down to earth, and he would make a way for you because you couldn't make a way for yourself. But he said, I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I will die. I will shed my blood so once and for all humanity could be saved if they just would believe in me. If they would just believe. Thank you for joining us in the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at hoperising.co. If you're in the Cypress, Texas area, we would love to connect with you on Sundays, 10 a.m. at Spillane Middle School. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.